Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 278. This is part two of Aging Gracefully. So last week we covered a lot of content on blood sugar metabolism and inflammation and neurological health in the space of aging gracefully. In today's episode, we're going to talk about DHEA and sexual hormones, pregnenolone, the master hormone. We're going to talk about intermittent fasting, the importance of deep quality sleep. We will talk about structural health, getting into bone and joint and osteoporosis as well as skin health. And then we'll wrap things up with our food as medicine toolkit and supplement support to aid in aging gracefully. Yes, we had to make it two parts because there's just so much here. Yes. <laughs> um, before we get into all that, let's talk about our women's wellness retreat, which is just around the corner, you guys. We're yes. so excited. Now that we are in February, we want to let you know that t- sales are going to be closed at the end of this month. So although the retreat is March 25th through the 27th, You can't wait till March 15th to purchase your spot because we want to close things at the end of February so we can really help y'all orchestrate your travel, make sure we have good room allocations and everything is groovy and going to be optimal for each of you participating. So if you've thought about participating, we're going to give you a couple highlights of what's included in the weekend and where you can purchase your spot. It is going to be two evenings, all inclusive at luxury accommodations in Dripping Springs, Texas. This is Hill Country in Texas, closest airports being San Antonio or Austin. And you'll be staying in the same space with Becky, myself, and 34 other passionate food as medicine warriors. Uh, We will be having a food as medicine cooking class on the second evening at the space in the kitchen there where you can gather in the kitchen and really get close and intimate. We'll be passing around ingredients of things that we're using, smelling. There'll be tactical experiences through food as medicine workshops. I'll be doing six hours of functional medicine lectures, anything from troubleshooting your keto to stress hormones and adrenals and beyond. And what's really next level is if you're a podcast lover or a YouTube follower or social media follower, this is, again, only less than 40 of you guys, only 34 of you with Becky and I hanging out. So you're going to get like all of your nerdo questions directly asked in an intimate environment and you're going to leave inspired to really take your food as medicine journey to the next level as well as feeling supported by other like-minded women in a community. I know a lot of you, the biggest thing you're dealing with with different areas of the country or even just in your own space of not finding other like-minded mothers maybe or coworkers or family members getting kicked out of a Thanksgiving, Mm -hmm. God forbid, and things like that. And so this weekend is really all about supporting your fortitude and fluidity. How can you hold your ground and be strong and support optimal eating for your household and stay resilient in that 
but also pivot at times when your spirit is being dampened. How do you stay light and bright and positive throughout what I like to call the bad season? Um, So I know that you will really make some lifelong friendships. I think that you will leave super inspired. You'll learn a million new tips and tricks. You'll get to taste fantastic food. I would say that's the strongest feedback from our forms from the workshop was everyone was shocked at how amazing the food was that we served. And I mean, this is beyond curated. We're going to have for brides to rest, snack bars, a bone broth bar, a matcha bar. Um, Everything is going to be so thoughtfully curated with our favorite brands that you'll get to directly experience, not to mention the over 10 companies that are contributing to our swag bags, which are over $250 in value of goodies of our favorite products. Um, So jam-packed weekend, we're going to go off-site for an olive oil tour. Um, There's a pool and a hot tub on site. I mean, I just... A little dance. Yeah. A little move. Movement every day, belly laughs, and just really important, deep connection in community. So if you're feeling like you need that, you're hearing this correctly, go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. You can click on the top search bar um, and search in the word retreat. Uh, You can get your spot and spots range from $1,500 to $2,000, depending on if it's a solo or a shared bed. So this might be a great trip to bring along your bestie or a family member or a loved one that you'd like to maintain an inspired food is medicine movement with in your community or to keep each other inspired across the country and get together and gather in the free state of Texas. Um, We can't wait to meet you all and uh, are looking forward to this event. We sure are. Um, And one of our favorite brands that will be represented there um, is also a sponsor for today's episode. So let's just have a quick word about fond bone broth. Yes. So we are huge fans of Fond Bone Broth. They make such delicious elixirs in a jar, truly. Um, Anytime I'm making a soup, I'm like, oh, I really like to use Fond Bone Broth as like my sous chef to like deglaze a pan or elevate a sauce or drippings into something that I'm going to braise greens into. But if I'm making soup, they just have so much flavor going on that I actually enjoy sipping in a mug as the number one way of getting my Fond in. And it replaces an afternoon latte. Um, and is such a great way to really be a facelift for the gut, providing you with that L-glutamine and collagen and gelatin, as well as glycine to support your neuromuscular system and aid in GABA, which is that neuroinhibitory compound that mellows out your brain. And when you're giving your gut that facelift, you're also reducing an overall inflammatory response, as well as food sensitivities. And during the time of cold flu viral season, Fond Bone Broth really goes next level because many of their options have other therapeutics. So I've been really into the Cantonata one, which has the black radish and the oregano. We know oregano being antiviral and copious amounts of garlic in there. Uh, A lot of compounds that we're going to get in there that are boosting up things like quercetin and N-acetylcysteine, which work as added expectorants to bone broth. We know that bone broth can break up mucus and phlegm and also aid in white blood cell response, which helps your overall immune system to have that long-term natural immunity. Um, go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash AllieMillerRD. On that page, you can place your order and use AllieMillerRD as a coupon code for checkout to save 10% on your order. And I cannot wait for you to try what I feel is the most therapeutic, quality, sustainably sourced, delicious broth that's out there. Yes. All right. Let's do it. Um, So we left off last episode with a little bit of discussion about stress and the adrenals. So let's kind of dive back in here um, and talk about some of the functions of the adrenals within aging. Um, I want to hit on 
DHEA in particular. So we talked kind of about how over time we can see just a decline in DHEA in general and how stress can really compound that and accelerate that. Yes. So, I mean, DHEA is made by the adrenal glands. So when we're activating that HPA axis, that hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback of the sympathetic fight or flight stress response, we're going to see more accelerated DHEA depletion. And most things in the body go up before they go down. You know, so if we're talking about like a diabetic, they're going to go hyperinsulinemia before they go hypo, meaning that they're putting out too much insulin in that state of insulin resistance. And then over time, if they're not managing by diet and medication, that insulin level starts to plummet and then they become insulin dependent. Same kind of concept with DHEA. Someone that's really high stress potentially in their 20s and 30s is going to have excessive DHEA and we can see this driving infertility. We see elevated DHEA often with PCOS for instance. But when we see um, our bodies in our 80s and even earlier accelerated from high stress individuals, we see a decline by 80 to 90 percent. And so we know that DHEA is one of the most abundant hormones in the bloodstream. Age uh, is going to be the primary driver of DHEA levels declining, accelerated by stress fight or flight response. And so that means that someone who's high stress individual might see that 80 to 90% decline by perimenopause time or, you know, andropause time for men, Mm -hmm. if you will. And this can further accelerate that hormonal aging process as well as cognition. We know that as DHEA levels decline, this is strong associated with loss of function and increased risk for disease. Uh, We know DHEA directly impacts life quality and longevity. And levels of DHEA have been tied to premature aging as well as an overall shortened lifespan or mortality. So we can see increased risk for cognitive decline and dementia, cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis and bone fractures, depression, sexual dysfunction, inflammation and inflammatory disorders, and overall fragility um, and so or frailness in the body. And so when we're looking at DHEA, we think of its influence as almost like a stem cell in the brain. We'll link the episode yeah. that we did with uh, Stephen Chernisky yep. on, uh, I think it's called DHEA Metabolic Miracle. Right. Uh, or Fountain of Youth, I forget. Oh, maybe Fountain of Youth, but maybe his book is called Metabolic Miracle, I think. Uh, And, you know, because we think of DHEA as almost like a stem cell in the brain, but also as playing a big role with our muscle structure. So clinically, when I see people running low DHEA, they often aren't getting muscle gains, even if they're lifting weights. I liken it to like a rubber band where uh, too low of DHEA is like no turgidity, no elasticity, no rebound. So when a stressor hits you and you're low in DHEA, you want to curl up and just kind of escape it. When your DHEA levels are high, this can also be unhealthy. And this is where we can be like in an excessive snappy mode, irritability, Mm -hmm. short fuse, insomnia, um, almost overstimulating, if you will. Um, We see that individuals that have elevated DHEA in a healthy level, meaning as you're aging, if you're supplementing with DHEA or managing optimal DHEA levels, that there is better working memory, there is a improved ability to use information in the short term, um, and this is a huge important marker of overall cognitive function. Sure. And there have even been some studies looking at mortality associated with low levels of DHEA. So one um, that we'll link from the New England Journal of Medicine 
followed older men for 12 years, found that those with the lowest levels of DHEA were more likely to die from cardiovascular causes than those with higher levels. Yes, and it may be a part of the fact that the cardiovascular system is really dependent on muscle mass and muscle health. And so that's probably a big piece of that connection. And be that the DHEA is connected to the adrenals and cortisol metabolism, there's anti-inflammatory influences as well. Um, So if we're looking at optimizing DHEA, first we'd want to see if are we clinically low. So you can run DHEA sulfate or DHEAS with a hyphen S at the end, um, which you can ask your general practitioner for. Um, Do we include that in our um, metabolic blood panel? um, Advanced metabolic panel. So we'll link that lab as well, which the advanced metabolic blood panel looks at also your thyroid, looks at some cardiovascular disease markers, as well as some diabetic markers. So that's a good kind of starting point pre-keto or just if you're looking to optimize and get a metric of where your health status is, the advanced metabolic panel is a great place to start and that will assess your DHEA. Also, DHEA, we assess through saliva as it is a steroid hormone. So our Labrix panels that we offer on the website, which is the Neurohormone Complete or Neurohormone Complete Plus. And then once you know your status, you can dose dependent, really a range of 25 milligrams, uh, 10. Some do as low as 10, Mm -hmm. um, especially women. Um, A range of 10 milligrams all the way upwards of 100 milligrams, but often staying closer to that 50 milligram dosage could be appropriate. But if you don't know your value, you don't want to just take DHEA because this can drive that excess of DHEA, which can actually drive male pattern baldness, interfere with testosterone metabolism, and have some unfavorable effects. So you really want to be in that sweet spot. If you're not sure where you fit, a great place to start would be with our adrenal support Mm -hmm. tablet and our adaptogen boost. So adrenal support um, is going to be the glandular compound. So it's bovine glandular from cow adrenal gland that you're taking in a tablet form and you're swallowing it. It's called adrenal support. I've had a couple of people chew it and I would not recommend uh-huh. that. Swallow this tablet in our line. Yep. Only chew Gabacom. Um, and so you take the adrenal support and that gives you all of those glandular compounds. So that supports you in your DHEA as well as your cortisol, which often trends lower with age. And that's why we see again, more inflammation as we age. Um, and that gives also a really great vigor so that can drive libido that can also drive sustained energy outcomes and that would be a safe one to do without testing and then you know over time you might get an assessment to see where that level's at sure yep and a a good tool to just bring in preemptive you know to support that aging process especially if you are someone who experiences stress which gets us to their next hormone (laughs) and and even before that i just want to note that dhea is a precursor to both estrogen and testosterone so when we're thinking of aging and both of those hormones declining Mm -hmm. in both men and women you know we really think that this is a good um kind of upstream medicine if you will upstream intervention to give the building block to support hormone maybe instead of falling into hrt but we'll address that as well in a moment yeah or before going to like testosterone pellets which i see too many women on those and never really works out favorably. I think it's a a really good intermediary tool that it's like your body's going to know what to do with. Yes. I can't say true statistic, but I would say about off the cuff, 80% of the individuals that I've dealt with that have testosterone pellets as women play cat and mouse with it Mm -hmm. and cannot achieve an optimal dose um, and even go into a level of severe mood influence. Not, I wouldn't say psychosis, but really intense irritability, insomnia, just getting really jacked up. So definitely not something I recommend. Nope. 
All right, let's talk um, in the world of stress about this other kind of master hormone, um, pregnenolone. So we've covered this in an episode on the pregnenolone steel or the relationship between pregnenolone and, and cortisol, but let's hit this too. Yes. So pregnenolone is a hormone that's naturally produced by the body also in the adrenal gland. So this is where the adrenal support could help in that sense as well. Pregnenolone is also made from cholesterol and this is the starting material in the production of testosterone, progesterone, cortisol, estrogen, and other important hormones. So we often see as we age, which we're not going to get today in the episode too deep on heart health and cholesterol. I think we're probably due for an update there, but we do have cholesterol as medicine as an episode, and I'll link that in the show notes. Um, But, you know, we often see in our 50s and 60s, all of a sudden LDL levels going up or cholesterol levels going up. And I often will say, you know, again, LDL in a low level, a a suppressed LDL level is actually highly tied to all-cause mortality. We see death associated with too low of LDL. Um, And when we look at LDL going up as we age, it's an attempt to boost this steroidal hormone building block to offset the declining sexual hormone and steroidal hormones in the body. Um, If I see an individual in their, you know, any age range, but especially individuals in their 20s through 50s that are running low cholesterol total, low cortisol, low DHEA, I make sure that I get them on pregnenolone as well in addition to the adrenal support. But these are people that are taking about four to five adrenal support tablets because they're in a pretty deep level Mm -hmm. of adrenal insufficiency. They just don't have the juice in the tank to make any of those favorable outcomes. And so they're really running on empty. And we know that preliminary data suggests that pregnenolone can dramatically increase neurogenesis. So when we're thinking of an aging brain, we're always looking of keeping active brain development and new neuropathways. So we've seen that pregnenolone can actually have a favorable influence by increasing neurogenesis through influencing cognitive processes, um, particularly um, when we're looking at modulation of our neurotransmission associated with sleep modifications as well as other steroids that modulate the hippocampal neurogenesis or basically again development of new brain compounds um, again because this works as a neuronal steroid itself. Pregnenolone basically protects the brain from aging is the best way to say that. Um, And there's some pretty impressive studies on pregnenolone and depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, um, a lot of these, you know, diseases or imbalances of the brain. So it makes sense that it would be supportive of your brain. And and a high-fat diet, I think, can be part of that. So, you know, going back to last episode, we talked a lot about keto um, and how that's a very appropriate um, diet kind of entry point for anyone looking um, for anti-aging benefits, but for an aging parent as well to get that cholesterol that we need to make the pregnenolone. Absolutely. And when we're looking at um, pregnenolone, this can be assessed in the blood Mm -hmm. and this is available through like LabCorp or Quest. So you could always request that from your general practitioner from your wellness annual. Um, If you're of course a a client of ours, we can order that for you, but that's not one we offer on the website, but it is one that you can do through some of those like any lab test now Mm -hmm. facilities. And um, again, it could play a big role, but I would first start with the adrenal support and the adaptogen boost. And um, again, the adrenal support is going to give us that DHEA and pregnenolone in a balanced kind of food as medicine, whole gland delivery. Um, And then the adaptogen boost is going to be favorable for 
kind of retaining the function of the adrenals without burning them out while also having additional anti-aging effects. We know that the ginseng in there can aid in driving blood oxygenation to the brain. So when we're looking at optimizing cognition and memory, we need good brain blood oxygen flow. Um, We also know that the rhodiola and the cordyceps in there have been shown to have favorable influences on immune, respiratory health, antioxidant status, reducing that oxidative stress, which again, Oxidative stress is the process that occurs through aging. Yes. Um, Let's cover just in this world of of hormones um, a little bit on hormonal changes and specifically hormone replacement therapy. Yes. So I feel like this does need to be a whole episode and we are going to be doing, um, I think, an episode called like estrogen, the good, the bad the something, I don't know <laughs> what the other word is, but maybe both both ends of the estrogen debate or mm-hmm. something like that where we talk about, you know, often in functional medicine, things like cortisol and estrogen just get demonized right. and you need enough <laughs> to be in an optimal space. I mean, when estrogen levels go too low, we can be at risk for bone health issues. We can be at risk for vaginal atrophy, of course, which creates sexual dysfunction um, and actual influence, of course, also with balancing our blood pressure and so much more. So we'll be kind of going down that rabbit hole and we do have some resources for you also as you're waiting episode 152 which was um, perimenopause and menopause then we also did episode 123 libido and getting your sexy back with dr anna kabeca and then we did a repeat episode with her episode 252 which was fertility to breezing through menopause and beyond with anna kabeca um so kind of On a a macro level, without getting too granular in the world of HRT, we always want to focus on working with the body and what it knows what to do uh, with and and what it understands best. So we're looking at bioidentical versus synthetic hormone. And we would never use bioidentical or synthetic hormone unless we know that the hormone itself has been shown through literature to be low or through lab assessment to be low. So we're looking at our Neurohormone Complete Plus to be the most accurate assessment. The Journal of Endocrinology does align with the idea that uh, our salivary hormones, because they are steroidal, are most accurate um, as far as saliva collection of sex hormone and cortisol. Um, And so that's what we like to do, that four-point assessment to get four points of cortisol, as well as estrone, which is your E1, estradiol, which is that dominant form of estrogen, E2, and then E3, estriol. When we're looking at synthetic hormone, there's going to be a synthetic form of that estradiol. And this can be prone to driving estrogen dominance. It can um, really drive drama in the liver, leading to fatty liver or toxicity, elevated liver enzymes, because the liver has to process the excess. And it's not an ideal balance. Um, We see association of risk factors with cancer. When we look at bioidentical estrogen therapy, it's going to be an 80-20 blend of estriol or that E3, which has some estrogen antagonist or basically protective elements of estrogen, as well as then only 20% of that E2 estradiol. So you're getting that E2, which is the part that is the more bioactive, but in a protective mechanism of 80% of the formula being an estrogen antagonist to offset that estrogen compound. Sure. 
Um, and that's something you would get, you know, working with a practitioner. So don't just go <laughs> ordering um, hormone creams or, or off the cuff without um, at least assessment for sure. I can't believe how many yeah. are out there on Amazon and whatnot, right. or even I think I, I'm not sure if Whole Foods, but some like natural pharmacies have progesterone and they're at Whole Foods. They'll note USP, but they're not dose specific. Right. So, you know, people will then all of a sudden have estradiol levels way off the charts. And again, that can create stress in the body. Um, so we do want to use bioidentical USP forms, but we also want to know the dose and we want to calibrate the dose based on an accurate lab value. Sure. And then check in on that lab like three to six months down the road. Really, really important to, to follow up. Um, yes. Let's talk just in the world of low estrogen and, and you know, age-related estrogen decline um, about like vaginal atrophy, dryness, pain, any like new tidbits there? Yeah. So two things that I recommend for women, three things actually, um, that are fabulous to support healthy and graceful aging. Um, so again, if you don't know where hormone level is at, but you're dealing with painful sex or frequent UTIs and tender tissue down there, um, hyaluronic acid suppositories are really something to consider. So you've probably seen hyaluronic acid used in a lot of like facial yeah. serums and such, right? <laughs> Well, there's a company called Bonafide, um, and I will link them in the show notes uh, product I'll put on my Amazon store of the hyaluronic acid suppositories. And um, these can be inserted once or twice a week. Um, there also are the, we've talked on the podcast before, the Foria mm -hmm. CBD suppositories. So these are really favorable to reduce inflammation as well in that space. Um, and then also the Julva cream, I'll put a link for that product as well in the show notes that we talked about with Dr. Anna Kabeca that has um, like rose, alpine rose stem cells and it has DHEA in it, um, which can help again as that kind of stem cell support for that tissue repair. So you could use the Julva, the hyaluronic acid suppository or the Foria suppositories um, to help with the tissue itself as you're waiting on details of what hormone dosage would be sure. appropriate for mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Um, and then likely getting that estrogen back up where it needs to go is going to help to, you know, correct or amend some of that issue. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, what about um, susceptibility to UTIs? I think this is a big thing yes. in the aging population as well. And there are actually studies um, on UTIs, you know, driving sepsis and um, being more prevalent in uh, populations at risk for dementia. Absolutely. Very, very common. This happened to my granny when she was in a long-term care facility where she actually went into like a, a, a level of manic psychosis of some right. sort um, because the bacteria, you get septic. And what that means is the bacteria gets into your bloodstream and that crosses the blood-brain barrier. And so for an elderly population that's already maybe prone towards confusion or cognitive decline or dementia, that bacteria crossing the blood-brain barrier can really create hallucinations, um, manic uh, episodes. Like I think she was walking naked in her underpants, you know, and 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 yelling at people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all too often we go right at treatment with a antipsychotic drug or an antidepressant or anxiolytic drug really suppressing their end quality of life. Um, and you know, often it can be treated with preventing the UTI in the first place would be the best recommendation or treated with an antibiotic followed by a probiotic. Um, so I'm always saying if, if parents are aging rapidly, uh, are they also talking about urinating frequently? It was actually in that um, series on HBO Max, um, Secession, 
which is a show and the father of the company was peeing frequently and I looked at Brady and I go oh my gosh he has a UTI he's, he's dealing with UTI dementia and then they called the doctor like later in the show and they're like oh yeah he's being treated for UTI and he hasn't taken his antibiotic and I was like yes I saved served the doctor of the day um, and so it's all too common um, I think the best thing that you can do is prevent right and so the uh, formula that I would suggest for women for sure is the women's flora probiotic um, this has been shown in research to actually support with both prevention and treatment of UTIs. Um, so the particular strains of bacteria in there are actually able to fight against and have some competitive inhibition on a microbe level to fight against the bacteria that overgrows in the uterus. Um, so we're talking about um, women's flora probiotic as being both prevention at taking one at bed or treatment of taking like four daily. And depending on the age and the comfort level, also could use as a vaginal suppository, um, especially if prone towards yeast infection or chronic UTIs. Yes. And then in general, or for men, staying on, you know, a good quality probiotic ongoing, likely using the Rebuild Spectrum probiotic if you're prone to yes. UTIs, I think would be a good option for either men or women. And that Rebuild Spectrum would be a great one to add in the mix, you know, even in addition to the women's flora, because it does have that Saccharomyces boulardii, which combats candida and yeast overgrowth in the body. We also know that that's the best one for the more broad immune support, um, the Rebuild Spectrum probiotics. So I think that'd be a great one to play with. And if they're using antibiotics, one that you would double down during that period and following the antibiotic use. Sure. And then natural, you know, antimicrobials also would be definitely supportive. So use of our berberine boost, which we talked about last episode more in relation to um, its benefits for longevity for other reasons, but that could be a really helpful formula if there are recurrent UTIs. Yeah. Um, and that would also have blood sugar management yes. um, as a, an added bonus. And then Uva Ursi is a, a big one and that's in our um, GI reset formula. Yes. Yep. Uva Ursi, really strong literature there on specific bladder bacteria. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so rounding out kind of this discussion of hormones, um, let's talk about melatonin a little yes. bit because I think we don't always approach this as if it's a hormone, but it is, and we also know it declines with age. So we nerded out on melatonin in episode 249, Sleep and Benefits of Melatonin. Make sure you go on to that episode to learn deeper dive there. And also we have information just on natural solutions for insomnia and uh sleep support, if you will. And that is um, available in our blog format. And we will link that because beyond use of melatonin as a therapeutic, really supporting and resetting your circadian clock can aid in regulating the aging process and overall metabolism. So we can see both dietary and lifestyle interventions. Dietary interventions that reset circadian clock include calorie restriction in general, um, moving away from that frequency of of eating, if you will, of like grazing to more um, calorie restriction total intake and less frequency of factor. Time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting have been shown to be very favorable. And then in the lifestyle space, we see exercise can play a role, cutting off blue light and other markers of improving quality of sleep. This could be bringing the temperature of your bedroom down. Um, this can be ensuring that you get natural sun exposure early in the day to aid with that um, inhibition of melatonin and kind of setting that time tone um, so much more. So you can check all that out on those resources. And then this is where we'd recommend supplementally our sleep support formula, which has three gr milligrams 
of melatonin per two tablets, as well as herbs that are nervines. So there is valerian in there, along with other nervine herbs, which are calming and relaxing. And um, one to two tablets can be a really great support in healthy aging, as well as getting you back on that circadian rhythm if you take it about 30 minutes prior to trying to fall asleep. Yeah, but insomnia is such a common complaint, I think, as we age and you know, the sleep support helps. And then the lifestyle factors are like, you've got to have a hard conversation of like, hey, mom, stop falling asleep with the TV on. At least I do. Yes. And I think the other friend to that is relax and regulate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we see restless leg uh, increasing uh, as a driver of aging and also that disrupting sleep quality. We know magnesium is uh, a really highly deficient nutrient in many individuals and also declines with age is required for things like blood sugar metabolism. I mean, over 300 plus different enzymes in the body require magnesium and it's also depleted with stress. So when we take that relax and regulate, we get that magnesium bisglycinate, um, which, you know, I mentioned with the bone broth, sipping on bone broth would give you glycine in the diet as well, which would help with that deep quality restful sleep. But magnesium bisglycate really gets into that neuromuscular space. And then the other powerhouse uh, ingredient in the relax and regulate is that myo-inositol, which has been shown in clinical studies to actually combat insomnia and also aiding in insulin um, sensitivity and intracellular communication as well as hormone health. So I think that's a really good powerhouse for that whole anti-aging and tool to also get into that deep restful sleep. Totally. Um, and then another piece of the puzzle in terms of circadian clock, um, our circadian rhythm or circadian clock is actually highly sensitive to food yes. and when we eat. Um, so timing of meals could be a really key component to healthy aging. Yes. So like I said, both calorie restriction overall and then time-restricted eating can have benefits on aging. Um, but when we're looking at the flow of our days, Early time-restricted feeding um, can actually increase in sirtuin, which is a key protein family associated with longevity and aging, as well as autophagy expression, which is that you know cellular cleanup of our unhealthy cells. We've seen that routine long-term intermittent fasting can result in greater longevity. And we've seen that intermittent fasting has been shown to protect against so many against so many age-related diseases. So the whole world of metabolic health, whether it be diabetes or cardiovascular disease. And even considering alternate day fasting, which could improve markers of oxidative stress and aid in longevity. But I would say the alternate day fasting, you know, I'm really not a big proponent of even like the one meal a day. And as we're aging, I think a 24-hour fast could be maybe more depleting yeah, for an individual. And, sure. Right. So I would be more of a fan of, you know, playing with that early time restricted feeding, which, you know, as we age, there's this, something to be said about that like blue plate special. Right, right. <laughs> Eating your dinner yeah. at 4 p.m. Um, and so, you know, I think once individuals retire, it is very appropriate instead of maybe going that 12-8, which is what I intermittent. Mm -hmm. fast as you know eating my first meal around noon or one and cutting off around 7 or 8 p.m as we age we want to kind of move that backwards meaning that you might break your fast at i don't know 9 a.m and then you know be cutting off at something like 3 p.m yeah. yeah that could be super 10 appropriate. 11 12 1 2 3 maybe maybe you could cut off at 4 4, four, four or 5 yeah, yeah. <laughs> something like that yes 
yes, easy enough to do. And, you know, we've even seen in um, the American Heart Association's journal circulation um, an analysis on intermittent fasting and direct effects on longevity. So looking at over 2,000 subjects between ages 63 and 67 who underwent a um, cardiac catheterization. Um, of those subjects, 380 of them were routine fasters for a minimum of five years, and those fasters had a greater survival rate um, compared to the non-fasters. Yes, and this was a reduction of 49% risk of death, which yep, is quite remarkable. Not like pretty good. five, not like seven or 18 49% redu- reduction of death. So we know that intermittent fasting has so many mechanisms on reducing oxidative stress, on aiding in that telomere length like we talked about in part one of this episode. Uh, so I think a great thing to play with at whatever age you are. And again, as you age, you might adjust your fasting window and that could be very appropriate. If you're looking to learn about how to intermittent fast as well as how to employ the ketogenic diet, I just want to share some resources with you guys. Um, Our newest option out there is our 12-week food as medicine ketosis meal plans, where in your menu, we incorporate intermittent fasting. How many days of the week? Is it Three days three? a week, okay. yep. but you three, can do it five, you can do, you can do it seven. Five to seven, um, yep. and, and within the first week, that's actually the first challenge that we mm-hmm. have you employ, and the challenges kind of build as you go on through the weeks, uh, but the first challenge is to kind of dial in your fasting, and we talk about the different types of fasts that could be appropriate as well, because like we've said before, it's not an all or nothing approach, and, right. and especially in the aging population, they might need to do more of like a protein sparing fast and do better with that, you know, because we talked about last episode, sarcopenia as a huge risk. So maybe they're putting a scoop of collagen in their daily coffee with a splash of heavy cream and that gets them going for the day and rock and roll. Or grass-fed whey, you know, you never know. And so I think that that could be a great thing or two hard-boiled eggs to break their fast, you know, type thing. Um, So definitely check that out as a resource. And then also if looking to get a little bit nerdier in this space and prevent aging uh, or the harmful or unpleasant, I should say, I guess, side effects of the aging process, uh, check out our 12-week functional medicine ketosis program. So this is six classes. They're an hour and a half each. And we teach you how to do nutritional ketosis. There are various protocols um, and ways for you to determine, you know, what are appropriate macronutrients for you. So macro calculations into learning really deep dive functional medicine elements and how to optimize your keto in a more Mediterranean food as medicine approach versus like a dirty quick keto. Um, So a really great investment that program is $199. You get it for the lifetime of the website. um, And it's something that you could definitely share the tips and tricks you learn with family members and loved ones. All right. So let's maybe round things out um, with hitting some specific like age-related complaints um, and our our go-tos. Maybe a little rapid fire in this section. We'll see if we can do it. I'll try. Um, Let's talk um, joint pain and the world of osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. What are like the big overarching themes there and, and 
go-to interventions? Yeah, so when we see more tender, aching joints, this is kind of one of those hallmark signs of getting older. And unfortunately, as we age, our cartilage begins to break down. And we can see this known as degenerative joint disease. And joint pain can also be associated with inflammatory conditions and swelling or fluid retention, which often comes with inflammation. Um, Often, unfortunately, what happens is these individuals go on a daily regimen of NSAIDs. So Mm -hmm. they start taking Advil or Aleve or naproxen sodium or ibuprofen. And as we've talked about before, the Mayo Clinic has noted that NSAIDs actually can increase risk for heart disease. So this is not a good thing because we know also as we age, we're seeing heart disease risk go up because the heart is aging again and it's just getting deterioration. And so when we're looking at preventing the inflammatory process and reducing the pain, we're looking at anti-inflammatory support. So this is where I would go for super turmeric as like the daily replacement for the NSAID drugs. So anywhere between two to three super turmeric daily. Inflamazyme would be another great go-to. I think of inflamazyme as more of the tissue inflammation. So that's gonna actually ensure that the tendons are able to recover or the deep bone pain is not getting too calcified. Um, so the inflamazyme is more structural anti-inflammatory because it has proteolytic enzymes, which aid in reducing tissue-specific inflammation. And then there's the botanical compounds in there that are anti-inflammatory, whereas super turmeric is a potent dose of curcuminoids paired with turmeric oil. Um, You can listen to our episode, Turmeric Fool's Gold or Liquid Gold, to learn more about all of our musings on turmeric and all of the medical literature behind there. Um, But these are two supplements that my grandpa has been on for years, and he's a um, subscriber on our website. So he gets his monthly subscription of his super turmeric and inflamazyme, and it's kept him off probably upwards of six to seven pharmaceutical medications because of the multitude of the influencing factors of supporting uh, production of blood clots, um, preventing um, preventing blood clot formation, excuse me, um, having that anti-inflammatory support, um, reducing lipoprotein particle A and lipid oxidation, and then of course, that over-the-counter use of the inflammation and pain management. Sure. Um, And then in that world as well, we've done some pretty deep dive episodes on uh, bone health and structural health. So I'll link episode 122, Building Strong Bones and Supporting Your Structure, um, as well as episode 205, Structural Health um, and Support for Bones, Tendons, and More. And we emphasize in both of those episodes um, the use of our osteofactors calcium supplement, which really we're looking at age 30 and beyond, um, starting to see our bone density declining. And so especially for women, I can't emphasize enough, um, especially women that are having babies or breastfeeding, um, that, you know, I'm I'm like a hallmark for it now that I've seen like my micronutrient panel and my own calcium go down into, um, you know, functionally deficient levels, but, um, getting the osteofactors on board, if there is 
any concern for family history of, of bone loss and really from age 30 and beyond, we sure could use it. And so, right, that MCHC form is from Bone Matrix versus uh, using just calcium in a electrolyte form or elemental form. And this also prevents against calcification of soft tissue. So it's a really safe and effective form of calcium to use daily, and that's called osteofactors. And then one more to just note would be our cellular antiox, which we talk about so much in the world of its antiviral and respiratory support, that N-acetylcysteine and um, S-acetylated glutathione thione um, with B6. And that combo formula has also been shown to reduce joint inflammation and pain. So another one that has that like dual effect for the aging family member or self, right? Because we know as we age, we're more risk for viral infection um, and more severity of infection at that. So taking the cellular antiox can reduce the inflammation and the pain as well as protecting during cold flu viral season and beyond. And you can also look at our anti-inflammatory bundle, which includes the super turmeric, the cellular antiox, as well as our EPA DHA extra. And so the EPA DHA extra is a potent delivery of omega-3 fatty acids, great for regulating triglyceride levels, keeping the blood vessels blood vessels elasticized, and also reducing um, inflammatory markers in the body and managing with that pain. Yeah, and that might be a really good starting point for like a gift to a parent to kind of open their eyes to the Fish world oil. of, of supplementation. Knows a right, little more about exactly. That. And like, yes replacing their Kirkland brand, you know, from Costco that they've been taking for years. I think that's a good kind of entry point to yes. the naturally nourished line. Um, let's cover skin changes a little bit. Again, we've had quite a few podcasts on this subject. I wanted to specifically hit on um, the use of Botox and fillers because, you know, mm-hmm. even we're getting to the age where I think five years ago, my hairstylist was like, you know, you should do some lip injections. And I was like, (laughs) no, thank you. I don't think that would be a good look for me. Um, But what's the concern um, specifically with Botox? Is that something you would ever mess with? So personally, no. Uh, I'm very low maintenance in the beauty space. Uh, It takes a lot for me to put on my, what's that natural brand of mascara that I use? Uh, Ilia? Ilia, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's like maybe four times a month that I put on mascara. (laughs) That's as far as my beauty uh, movement goes. But, you know, when I look at things that we're using for our beauty, we always want to follow that first do no harm approach. So if we're looking at skin health and turgidity, I would go, you know, definitely listen to the podcast episode we did with Ashley Mm -hmm. with Grace Holistic Skin, where we talk about using an oil cleanser versus a facial cleanser that has alcohol and dehydrates and is going to create moisture loss and essential fat loss. Um, The importance of serum and using a hydrosol between your oil cleaner um, cleanser and your serum to help to make that kind of bilipid delivery to help with absorption. And then I'm cool with like topical hyaluronic acid and some of those formulas on the market. But when we're talking about Botox, you know, this is an injectable drug that's made from botulinum toxin type A. Um, So this is a toxin made by a bacteria and it's the same toxin that causes botulism, which is, you know, a life-threatening form of food poisoning. Now, Botox is injected in small targeted doses, but either way, it is a neurotoxin 
toxin. So, um, you know, the mechanism that it uses literally blocks signals from your nerves to your muscles and that prevents the targeted muscles from contracting, which why I see kind of like a firm face in the places mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or they'll do that by like their frown parts of their forehead or whatnot. Um, and that can basically ease muscular contractions and improve appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. Um, They're relatively safe, but there are noted side effects. And again, just understanding the mechanism of action that you're injecting a toxin into your skin doesn't sit well with me for someone who thinks about like functional upstream medicine and always supporting what the body needs. But the known side effects we can see are um, pain, swelling, and bruising at the injection site, headache, fever, and chills, as well as um, specific to certain areas like drooping eyelids, uneven eyebrows, dry eyes, or excessive tearing. Yep. And then more severe side effects, we'd be looking at like difficulty swallowing or breathing or um, vision problems, even like loss of bladder control and generalized weakness. And those are kind of like the high level side effects that we could experience. But my theory is over time, we don't know what this is doing to our body and we may be getting the cumulative you know, impact of, of this and, and not even know it. Um, and then same goes for the fillers, I think, um, in terms of, and, and we have the same stance, I think on, uh, breast implants and things like that. It's a foreign object or a right. foreign substance that you're injecting into your body. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know how your immune system is going to respond to that. Right. So whether there's, you know, nanolipid particles or whatever constructs you are putting into that part of the body, there can be an inflammatory rejection as well as prone towards infection. Um, And of course, that creates inflammation and infection, which can drive elevated A1C, metabolic health issues, and so much more. So if we're looking for supporting healthy skin turgidity, I think about collagen synthesis. So actually getting collagen in the diet through bone broth or collagen peptides. So um, you know, using collagen in your coffee or tea or smoothie in addition to the naturally nourished grass-fed whey could be an option or getting the collagen from bone broth or, um, you know, bone and skin on proteins. And then the BioC Plus is really key here as well. Um, we know that just taking one gram a day and when you're taking two capsules of our BioC Plus, you're getting uh, 1.2 grams of vitamin C in the form of that acerola cherry, which has other bioflavonoid antioxidant skin brightening effects. And then you're getting those bioflavonoids, which also can reduce histamine response um, and have more antioxidant capacity. So the idea is, you know, free radicals drive oxidative stress. As we age, we're exposed to a longer trajectory of free radical exposure. And that's where we get oxidative stress and tissue damage. So high antioxidant diet is huge and BioC plus specific because that antioxidant blend and the vitamin C itself um, has been shown to drive collagen synthesis. Totally. And then topically using vitamin C or even, um, you gave me way back, I've used it up now and I probably should re-up it, but a topical um, glutathione, glutathione spray. spray. I think it's called like Aura is uh-huh. the brand can or link Aura it. Gold. Um, Amazon store. I'll, I'll link it um, because topicals like that, I'm totally on board. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also skin brightening, mm-hmm. which is great too for like age spots and things like yep. that. Yeah. And then, you know, this is where also that EPA, DHA extra could be a really great fit. Omega-3 fatty acids are going to be a great way because we know that our cell membranes are uh, barriers of our cell walls, basically 
likely are bilipid. And so supporting with anti-inflammatory fats is going to be important. And then reducing industrialized fats um, like vegetable oils and processed foods is going to help to prevent that accelerated process. Totally. All right, let's cover maybe one more um, area of interest. Um, I think digestion is a big one um, as we age, whether it's, um, you know, seeing onset of reflux for the first yes. time or um, seeing either delayed bowel motility or um, tendency toward diarrhea. Um, and then, you know, poor absorption is something I really think about in this population. So let's hit kind of a couple of tools for all of that. Yes. So if we're talking about digestive intolerance and heartburn and reflux, my grandma before she passed away was a huge proponent of Digest-Aid. Um, she used to take a ton of a ton of Tums, <laughs> a lot of Tums, you know, like those chewable antacids. She was on a PPI as well. Um, and my mom was on a PPI for over 20 years. So when my mom got off of her um, Nexium and shifted to Digest-Aid at meals, um, you know, she told her mom, which is my grandma, and she was like, okay, okay, I'll try it. And um, my grandma had multiple artificial joints, really severe rheumatoid arthritis, um, and uh, inflammatory conditions. And because of that, was on long-term NSAID use, mm -hmm. like prescriptive NSAID. So way higher hit to the gut. Um, and so we got her rocking with the GI lining support and the Digest-Aid, which really supported her quality of life, the ability for her to eat the foods that she enjoyed without having cramping, stabbing, and severe heart heartburn, um, and also less bloating and distension. And so Digest-Aid would be a big one because your digestive enzymes, um, the production of your enzymes reduce over time with age. Again, that's also accelerated with stress. But the Digest-Aid has um, the perfect formula to give you the compounds to break down carbs, proteins, and fats, as well as DPP-4, um, which aids in breaking down casein and gluten. So as the body becomes, um, there's also lactase in there because as the body ages, we tend to see more lactose intolerance because we're lacking that lactase enzyme. And then there's proteases and amylases. And again, so that's where we're getting the carb and protein and um, fat support through ox bile. Um, so we also see that often there's like stagnation in the gallbladder or maybe um, as we age, gallbladder uh, removal would be more common. So digestate would be taken prior to meals and especially meals that are heavier. Um, we also look at the GI lining powder, um, GI lining support again to protect the gut, especially if taking an NSAID, mm -hmm. you could do a scoop of that prior and then get going with like the anti-inflammatory bundle and wean down your NSAID dosage. Um, but that's at least going to coat and protect your gut lining um, and feed those enterocytes or your gut cells with that L-glutamine, which actually can aid in then reshielding your gut, preventing leaky gut or ulcerations, um, as well as cramping and pain. Um, so that has that L-glutamine as well as aloe and diglycerized licorice root. Um, if we're talking about um, incontinence and chronic diarrhea, loose stools, the GI lining support could be very favorable there and maybe even also our phytofiber to help as a binder or a bowel formation. And this is where we definitely want to get going on a probiotic regimen. So this could be um, the targeted strength probiotic and the rebuild spectrum if gut dysfunction is severe or it might be our restore baseline and our rebuild spectrum as a good synergy support with a little bit less potency than that targeted strength. Yeah, totally. I think all really good options. And then relax and regulate um, that we mentioned for sleep, I think could also come in 
here. If constipation yep. is happening, most definitely that would be good for bowel motility because that magnesium bisglycinate aids in peristalsis or pumping. Um, and when we're thinking about malabsorption and you know just nutrient deficiency, I think of protein malnourishment and I think of B12. Yeah. Um, so the B12 boost could be huge because we know that B12 levels um, often, well, we, we absorb our B12 in our colon, um, but B12 levels can often come deficient if we don't have that ample stomach acidity or using those antacids. And um, we see neuropathy very common in the elderly population. So the B12 boost lozenge could also help with the numb um, appendages or tingling sensation in the hands and feet. Um, so you're getting kind of, again, that, that double hit. And then I can't say enough about the naturally nourished grass-fed whey in this population. We did hit on that in part one. Again, sarcopenia is muscle wasting. We know that we start to lose muscle mass as early as our mid-30s. And um, we know that the grass-fed whey is a great way uh -huh, to get those branched-chain amino acids um, as well as ensure that we're getting things like arginine to manage blood pressure levels. Um, we're getting glutathione in there to reduce inflammation and oxidative stress. Um, whey protein is easily digestible and it's going to really contribute to that muscle tissue support. And we know that as we lose muscle mass, that there's a direct correlation to all-cause mortality. So maintaining that muscle mass and some more turgidity, which is also appealing versus like the, the you know, loss of turgidity and the, um, the muscle loss that we can see in the aging process, a scoop of grass-fed whey a day would be a really great prescription as a baseline defense. Totally. Um, and then let's round this out with some just additional food as medicine solutions. Um, so we talked about collagen already. So kind of, you know, adding that in, um, especially if there are concerns for um, joint issues or, um, skin. you know, skin. Um, yeah. I think that could be a really easy add again to like your coffee, tea, or just into that same shake where the grass-fed whey goes. Um, and then tea we've actually seen um, – some research in terms of drinking green and black tea um, inversely related with cognitive decline. So I think that could be yes. a fabulous habit to pick up. Right. So you're getting the alertness and performance on long duration cognitive tasks. We see that that L-theanine in the tea leaf is going to aid in relaxation and calmness, which is important because we often see anxiety going up as age, um, as we age. And that can trend with the microbiome sterility, where we know that the gut microbiome produces about 80% of our serotonin. So another reason to get the aging population on a quality probiotic. Cool. And then um, berries we would think about in that kind of world of high antioxidants. So eating berries has actually been shown to improve cognition in children and to boost episodic and working memory in adults and prevent cognitive decline. So getting like a half to one cup of berries, either with some grass-fed Greek yogurt or maybe in your shake yeah. along with that grass-fed whey, I think would be a fabulous addition. You could put, right, frozen raspberries and, you know, half cup of full-fat Greek yogurt and a scoop of grass-fed whey and a little bit of water and do a real simple um, shake that would be great for your blood sugar levels uh, and also get you that protein that you need because we'd really want to emphasize overall a minimum of 60 grams of protein per day. So when you're using a scoop of that grass-fed whey, you're getting 22 grams in that scoop. And that means that we still need to get 
40 grams. So that could be two eggs there, which would give us another 14 or so. And then we're looking for still about 26 grams remaining, and that would be from about a four ounce piece of protein. It could absolutely go into the 80, 100 plus, but I know in the aging population, as we talked about in last episode, it tends to like become starches and toasts Mm -hmm. and (laughs) sweets. And getting that 60 grams can be really like tooth and nail to achieve that. And so that's a good metric to have if you're kind of auditing a parent's intake or your own intake to make sure that you're meeting your goals. Um, And the grass-fed way can be a really great way to get that, especially in the really aging population where they have maybe um, issues with chewing and um, oral health, where they're not able to digest um, the, you know, dense meats as easily. Totally. Um, Let's cover maybe some general anti-aging supplementation and and some of our go-tos that we haven't hit on yet. So okay. maybe CoQ10 yeah, is a Co- big one. CoQ10 yeah. is a great one. And we can link the episode where we talked more about like myocarditis. So, you know, cardiovascular inflammation and CoQ10, as well as the importance of CoQ10 on any individual using a statin drug. And mm-hmm. we know, un- unfortunately, that all too often, most individuals over 50 actually are on a statin drug. Um, we know that supplementation with CoQ10 has been shown to activate mechanisms controlling the mitochondrial biogenesis and delay that senescence or um, cellular aging process. Concentrations of CoQ10 in the plasma of elderly people are positively correlated with levels of physical activity and with cholesterol concentrations as well as with lower lipid oxidation damage. So the CoQ10 provides antioxidant protection as well as mitochondrial fuel. um, And that can aid also in a sustained energy response as well as reducing the oxidative stress associated with cardiovascular and neurodegenerative diseases while fueling the mitochondrial function in the cardiovascular system. Yes. Um, and then we've kind of hit on um, cellular antioxidants as kind of another one in that world of antioxidant health. Um, but I think that's really important also for the cognitive aspect. Yes. So I think, you know, in the food as medicine department, it's getting enough protein, which we kind of say to all ages, Mm -hmm. but really important in this population, trying to incorporate some of those therapeutic foods for structural health, like bone broth, um, and getting that boost of vitamin C and polyphenols from the berries and such, um, aiming for, you know, two to three colors in each meal would be a great way to get good antioxidant support. And then keeping carbs in check or balancing blood sugar levels are going to be really important. Extra kudos if you can go low glycemic into a ketogenic diet. And when we're talking about our toolkit for supplement strategy, um, the big ones that I would harp in on, you know, it's kind of going to depend on the primary areas of focus. If we're talking about resilience, fatigue, and, you know, brain burnout, I would lead with our adrenal support, our CoQ10 complex, and the cellular antiox as big players there. I think everyone should be on a quality multivitamin. So we're thinking multi-defense as in this population, unless you have known anemia, you could do the multi-defense with iron. But otherwise, we kind of think of that as menstruating women would use multi-defense with iron. And so postmenopausally, it would just be multi-defense, which is two tablets of a multivitamin that has that phytocompound blend of antioxidants as well as chelated minerals, methylated B vitamins. So you're getting a really good foundation there. And I think of the multi-defense and grass-fed way as like the two foundations with a quality probiotic and EPA DHA extra. And then if we know we have the 
bone and joint areas of concern, this is where we would layer in the osteofactors. And if dealing with inflammation, that suite of the super turmeric and inflammazyme. Yes. Okay. So I think we did it. I think we covered all of the things that only took us two episodes instead of one. Um, yes. But if you have, you know, a family member who could benefit, we would really appreciate um, you sharing this episode or maybe sharing some of your notes that you took um, during it with them, sharing both uh, 277 and today's episode. Um, if you love the Naturally Nourished podcast in general, go on over to iTunes or wherever you listen. Leave us a couple of sentences on why you love the podcast along with the five-star review. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.